Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We made this. Hi, I'm Chris Carter, creator of The X Files, and you're listening to The X Cast. everyone to the xcast the truth is in here i'm tony black one of your hosts joined by your regular co-hosts carl sweeney say hello carl hello carl <laughs> kurt north and sarah blair say hello skinner hello skinner Uh, and we're here today uh, for a very special episode and normally the four of us in a room is pretty special on the xcast because that doesn't happen very often but 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 we have the specialist of special guests today in the man himself the creator of the x-files chris carter is joining us for a conversation which you're about to hear we are super excited about this, aren't we, guys? And it's it's absolute thrill to have the creator of our favourite show on this podcast at last. Absolutely, 100%. A great thrill, great honour that he took some time yeah. out to talk to us. So, yeah, I hope uh, people enjoy listening to it for sure. I've been running around my work saying, I'm going to talk to the creator of The X-Files. And I've had some looks of, <laughs> who, what? And I've had other looks of, What? Send that to me now. <laughs> the, se- the second response is the only one that matters exactly, yeah. <laughs> in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna come back. We're gonna we're gonna cut we're gonna cut to the chase. We're gonna queue up the interview with Chris, and we're gonna come back for uh, a little bit of an extra bit where we talk about some of the things he said, dissect a little bit of it, talk about our experience talking to him afterwards. So, uh, without further ado, let's invite the man himself, the creator of the show, Chris Carter, onto the Xcast. So. Here we go. Okay, so Chris, it's so great to have you on the show. It's a real pleasure. We're all X-Files fans going back almost to the very beginning for most of us. Um, So it's a real pleasure to have you here. So let's, let's dive straight in and talk about how this is a milestone year, really for the X-Files. It's 30 years coming up in September. How do you feel about that? Well, of course, it, it doesn't feel like 30 years to me. It feels like <laughs> yesterday. But, uh, you know, it's it's a milestone. And uh, I think about the relationships I've had uh, during those years, the uh, the strength of them, the, uh, the amazing people I've worked with. Uh, and, you know, I'd be curious to see what they all think about it too, because... Uh, uh, it was a big part of uh, 
a, a large group of us, a big part of our lives for those first nine years, uh, certainly. And then the, uh, the reboot or the reboots, you know, it's 218 episodes. Uh, I, I, I think back to, I was just talking to David to me about this. Uh, the first year, the first season we did, I'm sorry, the se- first and second season, we did 49 episodes, uh, you know, con- considering uh, that people are doing 10 episodes a season now uh, and having it all written beforehand. Uh, you know, it television has changed a lot in those 30 years and certainly broadcast television has changed. Uh, and of course, streaming and cable. So, I, I think the 30 years have been a tremendous time of change uh, and uh, reflection. And uh, yeah, it uh, doesn't feel like 30 years, though. No, it's it's flown by. It really has for everybody, I think. And um, yeah, I mean, do you, do you think there's any going to be any kind of special celebration aspect for you, even just for you, not necessarily for the show as a whole, but for this for this year? Is it is, is there anything special sort of planned? You know, we have nothing planned. Uh, you know, um, I'm still in contact with uh, a, a large group of the gang. Uh, I think that uh, it will be checking in. It will be Zoom handshakes and <laughs> uh, pats on the back and uh, jobs yeah. well done, uh, stuff like that. Yes, that's great. I think there'll be a lot of like love in the fandom for sure about it this year. Um, including our podcast as just a little part of that. But you, you talked about television changing and, and the landscape and everything like that. Do you feel there's a particular difference, particularly since COVID and, you know, the the last few years and how streaming has changed and with your expertise in, in television and everything, do you think that the experience of that is going to have changed how television works generally in the future? Uh, it's changed. Everything seems to be serialized now. Uh, mm. And very few episodic shows, uh, you know, uh, on television anymore. Uh, of course, uh, television has changed greatly because it has be- it has replaced movies as the storytelling mainstay. So uh, that was a big change. Uh, people, uh, you know, were slumming when they came down to do television uh, back in the day. And now uh, you have top names uh, doing television. Um, you know, David Fincher, uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, does television uh, regularly. Uh, so uh, it's it's really changed. Top talent has come uh, into television, serialized television, and uh, the peak television. Uh, you know, there's so much being produced right now. So many shows on the air that, you know, whenever you go on, uh, for example, Netflix right now, you know, there's there's just too much to watch and not enough time to watch it. I, <laughs> at least for me, that's uh, true. <laughs> so that that has changed uh, considerably. Yeah, it's a fast changing landscape, and it's been five years, obviously, since the uh, the revival series now, which again seems like it was just yesterday that we got we were like overcome. Well, the last series of the revival series, 2018, and what seven years since the the season season 10 and we we were right there at the beginning going oh this is going to be amazing we can't wait to cover this so with that distance since the last season um how do you feel about the revival series as have you had any as your feelings changed toward towards it how how does it feel with that distance it's interesting uh the my struggle episodes uh, at least two of them 
have been on the radar of what I would call <laughs> the QAnon crowd uh, for their uh, delving into uh, uh, viruses, uh, epidemics and mm. pandemics, uh, stuff like that, that we were prescient. And uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting to uh, to get that traction with uh, a group of people for something that you never imagined would have that traction. Uh, that uh, storyline came from two doctors, uh, or I should say PhD, one doctor, one PhD, Ann Simon, who's a virologist, and Margaret Fearon, who is a... Uh, doctor up in Canada, uh, two big X-Files fans came up with uh, at least one, uh, if not uh, two, uh, or at least uh, generated the uh, third in the My Struggle arc. It just, uh, I, I uh, that, that was surprising to me. Uh, but when, when I think about the reboot, uh, I once said to uh, Avi Quejada, who uh, used to run uh, another X-Files podcast, I said, I think that we could have come back and done all comedy episodes and people would have been very happy uh, <laughs> because they seem to always respond to, for example, Darren Morgan episodes. Uh, and she, she disagreed with me uh, and, uh, you know, ready for an argument about it. But uh, I think that sometimes when you see the most popular episodes, it's the comedy episodes that uh, uh, are at the top of that list, which is always interesting to me because, of course, The X-Files uh, wasn't a comedy largely, uh, but it became a kind of uh, comedic show uh, as a result of Darren Morgan's uh, episodes. Um, and I think we all uh, look for ways to, uh, to lighten the show uh, in 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 certain ways over time, it really felt like the the, the revival series had a, a real broad sweep of different styles of episodes. Though I think you know throughout you know recalling the classic series and your know, comedy, action, thriller, yeah. scary episodes. Do you feel yeah. that the balance worked well in in uh, across those sixteen episodes? I want to say yes. Uh, you know, it's always. Uh, uh, you're always flying by the seat of your pants. And uh, as we have done since the beginning, uh, so we did. And uh, uh, largely uh, uh, the staff was made up of people who had uh, been on the show before. Uh, so that was an interesting uh, thing that to have a reunion and to see what people brought back to the show uh, the, who were there at the beginning. Fantastic, fantastic. Kurt, I think you've got some questions now, haven't you, for Chris? Yeah, just touching upon some of the stuff that you've mentioned there, Chris. Uh, the uh, Much has been discussed about the influences of the X-Files and Millennium. I'm, I'm a big Millennium fan myself, personally. Um, has had an effect um, on future TV shows. So you, you mentioned like Fincher and Mindhunter and Evil and Hannibal and the like. Do you see your work in those shows as well? The the, the X-Files has actually um, has a legacy in that way. Do you see that? Uh, I, I'm not sure the X-Files would be the uh, predecessor to those shows uh, as much as Millennium, that, which you just mentioned. Uh, I It's funny, David Fincher, before he did Mindhunter, sought me out. He asked me to lunch and uh, we discussed, he said he wanted to do the greatest uh, serial killer series on uh, that's ever been done on television. And uh, I took that as 
he wanted to do something that was better than Millennium. Uh, <laughs> I watched the Mindhunter series. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was extremely well-mounted, well-cast, well-directed, uh, well-performed, well-written. Everything about it was uh, top-notch. Top and uh, if Millennium was any inspiration for that, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, it's well, I definitely think I can see that. And Millennium, as I say, is a, a touchstone for myself personally. Um, and also, uh, looking back on season eight, we've just covered season eight on the uh, on the podcast itself. We're just about to hit into season nine now. And one of the things that we've kind of looked at was the serialization that kind of fell from happenstance of, you know, the David Duchovny doing the 11 episodes. And, um, you know, it, it formulated like a, a serial uh, kind of arc basis, like you've said recently, um, just to Tony there. Was there any discussion with the revival to actually go that down that route? Was there ever a discussion with that, given how dominate how dominant the Lost and the Lost and the Game of the Thrones stories uh, were being told at that point? Uh, I think that uh, the serialized uh, approach uh, came as a result of what uh, you know, you see so much on television, and uh, I think that uh, you know the X Files you know had a serialized quality, as you're saying in episode. I mean, in season eight. The mythology arc uh, figured uh, prominently, and uh, that wasn't uh, by, you know, by chance. Uh, it was all figured out, and it came really as a result of uh, the springboard of the first movie, Fight the Future. Uh, you know, really catapulted us down a new, and uh, it took a you know right turn. I think the series did. And uh, you'll see you see us uh, catching up to that in uh, uh, season eight, like you said. Yeah, that's good. And then going all the way back uh, to the pilot, and again, just kind of the aesthetics that I am really interested in. In that, um, looking back at the going back thirty years to the pilot, um, what part of the pilot do you see moving into the rest of the rest of the show's run? Um, how did the aesthetics form uh, the future episodes that came, you know, whether or not, you know, bringing people like Rob Bowman on board and that type of thing. But looking at the pilot itself and the general aesthetics of that, um, how did that relay for the rest of the show? Oh, gosh. You know, I watched the pilot again uh, in May. Uh, I went to the uh, grand opening of the X-Files Museum in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, uh, which I... Uh, Highly recommend for anyone who's an X-Files fan. I, I couldn't believe how many people uh, attended the, that grand opening. Uh, I signed autographs for, I think, about eight hours. Uh, it was uh, mind-boggling. And then I spoke to the uh, a large group of people afterwards. Uh, and I, you know, uh, prompted I could have gone on all night long. Uh, of course, they had to cut it short. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I, I can't actually remember what your original question was. <laughs> Just uh, how the pilot informed the rest of the show, really, looking right. back at you know what you made as it's, yeah. it's lightning in a bottle, pretty much. How did it affect the rest of the show from an aesthetic point of view? Well, I mean, you think to back to the cigarette smoking man standing there, uh, you know, ominously, uh, and uh, we didn't know uh, quite how big a role he would play in the series arc. Uh, so that was kind of a surprise. Um, but I think back to, you know, all the things we did right. Uh, you know, when I watched the pilot again, it was exciting to me. It was almost like watching it anew. Uh, it had been so long since I saw it. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so uh, I think that you know, I'll go back to another person who worked on the show who was extremely influential, played, uh, produced the pilot, and uh, came and directed uh, a number of episodes for us, which is Dan Sackheim. He actually came and uh, produced uh, Fight the Future. Uh, I think that Dan's stamp on the show is indelible. Uh, and uh, I think that a, a lot of the goodness that you see in the pilot came as a result of his smarts, his good thinking, his good casting choices uh, all the way around. Uh, I remember... Uh, casting the uh, that episode with him and Bob Mandel, who directed the uh, the pilot episode, and uh, it was just a pleasure to sit there with him. And we had one. I'll, I'll tell a story here. We had one actor who came in and made a choice uh, for a role, and uh, it was a dramatic piece. And uh, he came in and he played it in such a way that uh, we took it uh, almost for comedy. And we started laughing and it was almost, we started laughing uh, inappropriately and uh, we started cracking ourselves up and uh, I'll never uh, live that down. Uh, that actor, uh, I used to go to a restaurant and he was a waiter there and I felt bad every time I saw him because uh, he was subjected to uh, our uh, uncontrollable laughter for a dramatic part. <laughs> oh, incredible uh, and one final question from me I, I think and then we can move on to sarah's got some re really important uh <laughs> questions for you um and that would be uh, looking back at the pilot of the x-files and then millennium what did you take from the pilot of x-files and, and how did you instill that into the into the millennium pilot so the the millennium pilot came as a result of an x-files episode uh irresistible uh where i saw that uh there was a uh, an appetite for and uh, an interest, uh, at least on my part, in telling stories about uh, things that were not supernatural. But uh, Millennium, of course, had a supernatural quality to it because Frank Black could see into the minds of serial killers. So uh, that was the kind of nod to the X-Files with Millennium. But uh, the pilot uh, directed by... David Nutter, who was also a mainstay on the X-Files, he, he did the most beautiful job uh, directing that pilot. And uh, it really uh, set the tone uh, visually, thematically, and texturally uh, for the pilot. And he made so many great choices. Peter Onestorf was the cinematographer, uh, which was a perfect choice for the pilot. 
he had ideas uh, how to shoot it, what light to use, and uh, to make it as scary as possible. And they did. They, they did it. It's one of my favorite pilots of, of all time. So it, it's much appreciated that I'm able to ask you that question. Can, can I can I just jump in, Kurt, and yes. ask sort of a follow-on yeah. just quickly? After yeah. That. Chris, you talking about Millennium, just, just, just what I think of this. Obviously, it's having quite a bit of a... A, a resurgence in some ways online in recent years, you know, with the Millennium After the Millennium project and things like this. How, how do you feel about that? I mean, I know many people have asked you, you know, will Millennium come back? And, and that's obviously a difficult question, I'm sure. But And you've asked, been asked it many times. But how do you feel about the fact that more people are discussing Millennium these days as well? Because it, it, it is a wonderful show and it's always been very underrated, I think, and underseen. Thanks. Yeah, I'm sorry that it went off the air after three years. And that's kind of my <laughs> fault because I kind of... <laughs> inadvertently pulled the plug on it. Uh, it. It still had strong ratings and uh, Fox still felt it was a well-produced show. Uh, they would have gone forward with it for a fourth and maybe beyond that season. Uh, but I uh, was, I had another pilot, Harsh Realm, another Dan Sakheim project. Uh, and I thought that was going to go and I wouldn't have time to uh, spend on Millennium. So uh, we let Millennium go, uh, and I still think that uh, pulling the plug was premature. Uh, it's interesting that uh, I became friendly with John Bokenkamp, who produced, uh, I should say, created the uh, show Blacklist. And, uh, yep. you know, we met uh, when he got that pilot pickup, we met and I talked to him about doing series television and what uh, that entailed, uh, the responsibilities, the time. The, doing 22 episodes, how you uh, spend your energy or not on the show. And uh, I think that uh, I like to think that that helped him to turn that into a hit series uh, in some small way. I'm not taking any credit for it, but uh, <laughs> it was interesting that he sought me out. Uh, but he called me uh, uh, years later and uh, there was a chance for him to uh, also pull the plug on the blacklist. And uh, I told him uh, in no uncertain terms that it would be a mistake, that you never know where your next hit is going to uh, be uh, and uh, that you uh, stay with the winner and ride it out until the uh, the bitter end. Yeah, I mean, I, I do watch The Blacklist and I really do enjoy um, that. And, and I do see some very sim similarities with The X-Files and The Blacklist, and especially in some of the early seasons. Yeah. The way you can you can kind of see that 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 kind of vibe with the mixture of network television mixed in with a bit of serialization. So, uh, yeah, that was that's that's interesting in itself. Uh, so I think Sarah, you've got some questions. So we'll move on to yourself. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's good to see you and talk to you. I have been agonizing this over five years now. I think since March of 2018, I just uh, very much need to know: Is Walter Skinner? okay <laughs> i just he's my favorite character you know uh, a and... lot has been said about that final episode because so much <laughs> happened so many dramatic things so many characters uh, <laughs> heard and experienced things that uh, they weren't expecting you know uh one of the reasons for that is that uh i actually hadn't finished that episode uh, when we were shooting it, uh, I still did not, I had not decided on the finish. And then uh, Jillian started going online and saying this would be your final X-Files episode. And so uh, I really, I felt I had to 
make some big dramatic choices uh, in, in that final episode. One of them being uh, the uh, mowing down of Walter Skinner. And uh, in my mind, I'll answer your question. Skinner is okay. He, yes. Uh, oh, thank you. He's, he's a, <laughs> thank you. We're, ne- we're never going to hear the end of that now. <laughs> no, no. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Tony will settle up after this. It's fine. Um, uh, I would, I would, speaking of, of Jillian, I would really um, be interested to hear about, again, you know, since we were kind of talking about the beginning and everything, what was it like to have that experience of seeing David and Jillian together for the first time, you know, during auditions and, and finding them um, as actors? And can you walk us a little bit through yeah. that? Um, I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because I love it. Yeah. The casting director on uh, this the pilot was a guy named Randy Stone, who also uh, was the casting director on uh, Millennium. Uh, extremely talented guy, now gone from us now. But he brought in uh, David first. We saw I don't know, probably 100 actors for the role. And uh, he brought in Jillian second. We probably saw 100 actresses for that role. And Jillian gave me something that uh, I have framed in my office right now, which are the casting sheets uh, from those uh, sessions. And uh, they're the sheets that the uh, producers, uh, in in my case, the writer, uh, writes on, uh, gives... uh, his uh, or her uh, impressions of the actors and actresses. And uh, next to David's uh, name, I wrote simply, yes. Uh, That's how much I felt that he was just perfect for Fox Mulder. Uh, Next to Jillian's name, I wrote test, which is next to yes, because that means, because she was a less experienced actress, I had, I think, done one episode of uh, television uh, that we would have to test her in front of the network to get approval uh, for her. Uh, now, we hadn't seen those actors together ever until we saw them put in a room uh, for the network and the studio. Uh, and so uh, it was, you know, for me, uh, instant chemistry. But I'll tell you that I didn't know exactly the scope uh, or impact of that chemistry until the scene we shot in the pilot where uh, Scully comes down to Mulder's basement office and uh, uh, introduces herself and he makes, uh, he kind of makes fun of her, uh, makes light with her and uh, pokes fun at her. And uh, I saw for the first time that she was his equal and she was up to the uh, the the test that he would give her. And uh, I think that uh, that's one of the things I'm most uh, proud of on the show. Uh, I, if I can be proud at all of uh, the casting the parts that I, I was fortunate enough to uh, stick to my guns. Uh, with David, it was less hard. With Jillian, it was very difficult. I had to sort of stand up in a room and tell uh, a lot of the people who were paying my uh, salary, I had to tell them that they were wrong because they didn't see 
the beauty of Jillian, they, I think they saw it uh, as what should have been a more of a, um, a sort of sex bomb uh, role and uh, that she came off as smart, uh, intelligent, even though she, I think she was 24 years old, uh, that she could play an, uh, an FBI agent, a doctor. Jillian uh, was uh, my first choice. Uh, there was a point there where I thought we couldn't cast her, that they wouldn't relent, that they would uh, force me to cast somebody else. There was another actress who was also at the top of the list, whose name I won't tell you. Uh, but uh, Jillian won the part and, uh, of course, the rest is history. And then later on down the line, you had Robert Patrick and Annabeth Gish join, and they were, you know, a little bit, they had had a little bit more experience. Yeah. So what was that like, finding them and bringing them on? We also read uh, lots and lots of actors for the John Doggett part and the uh, Monica Reyes part. Uh, I think we uh, saw fewer actresses, but, I mean, uh, not uh, uh, insubstantial. The uh, Robert Patrick role, though, went to him. He never read for the part. Uh, I cast him. Uh, he had done a movie that I loved called Fire in the Sky, which was kind of uh, a precursor to the X-Files um, uh, and uh, Alien and Alien Abduction uh, movie. Uh, I loved him in it. Uh, and uh, I cast him uh, really you know, not sight unseen, but certainly he didn't have to read for the part. He was uh, every bit John Doggett. Annabeth came to us, you know, almost by chance uh, after having seen a lot of actresses. I was familiar with her work, certainly familiar with her name. And uh, I think that she won the part also kind of sight unseen. Uh, I, I don't believe she ever read for the role. So those... Uh, Interesting that uh, Mulder and Scully had to uh, earn their uh, parts with uh, Robert and Annabeth uh, really won theirs uh, as a result of their bodies of war. Kind of going back to like Mulder and Scully, when you were developing the pilot and coming up with the idea for the X-Files itself, how did their characters reveal themselves to you? And um how did your perceptions of them evolve over time as the show was going on and things were changing? You know, the the, uh, the stereotypical way uh, would have been to make uh, Scully the uh, believer and Mulder the skeptic. Uh, I think that uh, is more of a sort of consistent, gender consistent choice. Uh, so uh, it, it was... You know, it, it was uh, uh, it made the uh, pilot uh, distinctive uh, in that uh, we had two characters who played off of one another beautifully. Like just as a writer, when you were first getting the ideas uh, for the pilot and uh, first developing the pilot and the series, um, how did you sort of come up with the idea for Mulder and Scully and? And how did you relate to them? Did you relate to them at all um, as you were writing them? I always said that they are equal part of me. Uh, I'm uh, a skeptic who wants to believe uh, that poster didn't appear uh, by accident on <laughs> Mulder's wall in the pilot. You know, they, the actors, the roles grew uh, as the actors revealed themselves to me. 
and uh, you know their strengths and uh, I mean I can't say weaknesses because they were both so strong in the parts and uh, it was uh, a revelation each week. Uh, it's funny that Jillian uh, has something that uh, is was prominent for me in the pilot and no one has ever commented about it to me. She's got an eye that blinks independently of her other eye. And uh, I, I remember. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That uh, was, I, I, I kept focusing on that. Uh, and uh, I don't know if that's something that anybody has ever talked about. Now, that's not a character development, but uh, it certainly is a character quirk. Indeed, indeed. And coming back uh, for the revival, did it was it easy for you to get back into those characters and start writing them again? Was it, or did you struggle with that at all? Uh, you know, uh, did it feel natural? Yeah, of course, uh, it it was natural in some ways because I had done so much work with mm -hmm. them and I knew their voices and uh, I knew what had come before. I knew where we were, although it, it was uh, a, a fresh start with a whole new audience uh, and a whole new uh, network landscape. So we had those things to consider. And it do you just like in general, um, kind of going back to before how we were talking about, you know, the serialized television and how it, how everything has kind of changed and evolved. Um, do you have any advice or, you know, things you'd like to say to anybody who wants to develop their own television show these days? Yeah, I mean, how that might be different, yeah. uh, you know, stay true to your vision, uh, of course, uh, uh, there's so many ways, so many pits to fall in, so many pitfalls, uh, ways to uh, have, if, if, especially if you're inexperienced, uh, ways to have people throw you off and ways for people to make casting choices that you wouldn't have made and people who uh, will put tweaks. I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think about over the years that I've been uh, developing television, uh, how many people have given me notes uh, over time. I started at the uh, Disney uh, company and uh, I think about all the notes that I got uh, and they changed the quality. And I think ultimately the, well, more than the quality, the, the, uh, the excellence of uh, some of the shows, the performances, the choices that I had uh, made and I look at all those people who gave me notes, and I bet there are no more than two who are still in the business. Uh, so these people changed my life uh, in so many ways. 
And uh, now I look back and think, uh, why did I have to, why didn't I stick to my guns? So my answer to your question is stick to your guns. Yeah. Follow your instincts. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I think, um, Carl, you have some questions from our, our patrons, don't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks to everybody who sent questions in. Um, the first one, Chris, is from Adam Chamberlain, who asks, if you were writing the script for the original X-Files pilot today, what might you approach differently in terms of character, tone, or content? It's a hard question to answer because the pilot, uh, you know, set us on a voyage uh, that, uh, you know, Vince Gilligan came to me at the end of the show and he said he didn't think there was a bad episode in the show. Uh, so it's hard to actually talk about what I would have changed in the pilot because it was the, uh, the ship that uh, launched uh, a fleet uh, of, of episodes. Uh, but as I say, I went back and watched uh, uh, during that museum grand opening, they showed the pilot episode. I went back yeah. and watched it. And, you know, there are little things, tweaks, uh, uh, something, or was a comedic bit that I would have left in with David uh, that I thought was not in keeping with the tone of the show because I didn't know how funny he actually was. And he did a little thing in a driving scene with Scully uh, where he, uh, he made a, a, a joke about a bagel. And uh, I remember I, I cut it out uh, because, um, you know, this, I wanted the show to be dramatic before it was comedic, even though there was a, a, a light quality to the pilot episode. And I'm proud of that. Uh, that that uh, became a signature of the show. Uh, it's hard to say what I would have changed. Uh, everything worked. There was uh, there's something that I didn't think would work, uh, which is when uh, a uh, actress named Sarah Koskoff uh, gets a bloody nose in the uh, the restaurant. Yeah. There it was such uh, it, it it was amazing to me that it worked. Uh, because we had a tube running down her forehead uh, uh, that went down the side of her nose that was uh, hidden with makeup and uh, that we actually made that look like a real nosebleed with what I thought was a uh, crazy uh, jerry-rigged jerry -rigged apparatus uh, still amazes me to this day that uh, we pulled that off. Okay, and uh, Adam also asks, uh, looking back, do you wish more of a connection had been forged between the X-Files and Millennium? Uh, how might that have been done and which characters might have worked particularly well together? Well, of course, we brought uh, Lance Henriksen uh, as Frank Black onto the X-Files uh, after the, yep. uh, the end of the X-Files. And so that was, uh, uh, I think, a brief and the only connection we made between the two shows. I think as time would have gone on, on Millennium, if it, it had gone forward, I think there would have been some uh, cro natural crossover. You know, speaking of crossover, uh, there was uh, going to be uh, a crossover of the X-Files and Picket Fences, which I believe yeah. is a CBS show uh, that uh, uh, David Kelly and I talked about uh, and uh, ultimately, it was nixed by the studio who uh, didn't want to cross-pollinate, didn't want to give any power to uh, the other network uh, as a kind of rivalry. Uh, but I always thought that was a missed opportunity. 
Can I can I just jump in and ask a, just uh, another little question off the back of that? The uh, I know you were involved with the Joe Harris comics, Chris, and yes. um, that came out. What did you think of the Millennium crossover sort of content there with the X Files and the that one shot that he did that that three episode uh, three issue one where Mulder comes into the Millennium world? Did you think they they were execu- executed quite well? Uh, I thought Joe Harris did an amazing job generally, so I have to say yes even though uh, it doesn't quite ring a bell to me right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. So much, uh, so many uh, spinoffs. There's a novel right now uh, in the works uh, that follows up from the uh, 218th episode, uh, the season finale uh, on the second revival. So uh, you do have some more X-Files on the way. Oh, wow. Uh Very exciting to, Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of questions from uh, Kathy Glinsky. Uh, the first one is, was there ever a moment or storyline or episode that you weren't sure you could make happen, but ended up working perfectly? You know, there was the episode, the mythology episode that uh, ends up on uh, the polar ice cap. Uh, yeah. And uh, I thought we would never be able to pull it off. Uh, it was written, <laughs> but uh, how do you actually uh, stage that scene having no access to uh, that landscape. And uh, I have to say, Bob Goodwin, who produced the first five uh, seasons of the executive, produced the first five seasons of the X-Files, managed to pull it off. And uh, we shot it on a sound stage. We brought in uh, ice from a hockey rink. Uh, We built the uh, ship, or I should say the conning tower that comes out of the ice. Uh, I, I never thought we would be able to pull that off, and we did. There was another episode shot in an old coal mine uh, where there's a UFO outside, uh, and uh, the UFO takes off, uh, and it's literally a uh, a replica of a UFO with the lights flashing. A Rob, Rob Bowman-directed episode. I never uh, thought we would actually be able to pull off something that big on a television budget and a television schedule. So uh, if that's the an answer, I hope that's an answer to your question. Yeah, absolutely. And am I right in thinking that was uh, just right after Frank Spotnitz had joined the show? So it sounds like kind of a logistical baptism of fire for him to be a part of as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Kathy also asks, is there anything you really wanted to do that you just couldn't make work? You know, nothing uh, springs to mind, you know, I'll speak to something that we did make work, uh, and it was uh, so audacious, yeah. uh, given uh, how much we we had on our plate. And I, I cannot overstate how hard it is to produce uh, 22 episodes a season, uh, that we would actually uh, have the temerity to do a movie uh, in the... Uh, off off season which usually was literally two weeks uh out of the year that we would actually stop and make a movie uh and the scale that we made that movie uh was uh still to me astounding because i had a second tv show on millennium at the uh, time that i was able to do uh one tv show uh be uh less involved than the second tv show but to do that movie uh that uh was um probably foolhardy in the end but uh, somehow it worked out yeah. i've got to follow up on that question actually because it was so prolific for your time there from 1996 to like the 2000 
what sort of toll did that take on you? On you? How how did you manage to have so many things in the air and, and manage to keep them juggling and keep those plates spinning? Um, was it was it a particularly difficult time for you to do that, and or did you thrive on on that pressure? H- hardest year, work year of my life. Uh, I don't. I still don't know how we did it, and uh, I was there for almost every day of filming of the movie, uh, and. Uh, that I was able to do that. Uh, We had an abbreviated uh, season of the X-Files in season six, Uh, but we had, uh, you know, the amazing thing is we had moved. We had moved from Vancouver to Los Angeles. And so we had to hire a whole bunch of new people. We had to actually think about uh, a brand new landscape, uh, new choices. It wasn't going to be moody, atmospheric Vancouver anymore. It was going to be Los Angeles. Uh, so uh, there were just so many new things to think about, uh, but uh, I don't know how. Still to this day, we pulled it off. Well, that that movie came out brilliantly, though, Chris. We're all massive fans of that film, and yeah. and in fact, on the on this podcast, we did. A, I don't know how familiar you are with the minute by minute podcasts that are out there, where people go through a movie minute by minute. But <laughs> um, we did that for Fight the Future on this podcast, so oh, there wow. are. <laughs> over 115 <laughs> episodes dissecting it that's how much we love it so yeah, it was a great achievement yeah. thank you okay so we have a question from uh courtland waters bartley who says uh in a season nine episode agent dogger asks why are people still watching a 30 year old uh, tv show uh thinking through all your experiences both working throughout the show and interacting with viewers and fans what elements of the x-files do you think will still be resonating with people 30 years from now uh, so that's what 2053 it's, i guess <laughs> i think i had that far <laughs> uh it's it's hard to say uh if it uh it is a timeless television show uh but i think if anyone is watching 30 years from now it really will be because of Mulder and scully uh it, it is that relationship i think which uh has captured people's hearts uh, uh you know first and foremost uh i think the storytelling was always good, but that relationship, that bond, yeah. that uh, respect, uh, the intelligence uh, that they uh, they brought to the roles uh, is really second to none uh, in so many ways. Uh, I think that will stand the test of time. Absolutely. Uh, so again, let me just say thank you to everybody who sent in some questions for Chris. Uh, back to you, Tony, I think. Well, yeah, and that that that's a great question to end this conversation on i think really looking forward to the legacy of the show and and it i think it, we, we we can say for all of us and, and everyone listening who enjoys the x-files on this podcast how grateful we are chris for this show and i know it it you spearheaded this and there were many many people who made it work but i think you're as you talked about earlier about vision your vision for this and what you created has given us so much joy and continues to give us so much joy, you know, as as we watch it now on on Disney Plus and places like that on streaming um, in this day and age. It's it is our favourite show, and we treasure it every day. So thank you so much for what you've given us. Ultimately, can I say one thing in in parting? Yeah, you know, I'm answering these questions here today, but I didn't do this show alone. Uh, yeah, there were so many people who came. And, and put their stamp on the show. And I mentioned Dan Sackheim, but do you think of Frank Spotnitz, Vince Gilligan, John Scheiben? Uh, we had uh, an extraordinary uh, uh, list of producers, uh, a number of them women, uh, when uh, women were uh, not 
being used in that capacity uh, generally. Now, of course, uh, that, that landscape has changed as well. Uh, so, um, you know, I want to, you know, just point out that without Kim Manners and Rob Bowman and David Nutter uh, and so many of the great people who came to uh, direct the show, uh, as well as the writers, uh, it was uh, a team effort. And uh, I'll always be uh, thankful to those people uh, for uh, making it more than it might have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we recognize that completely. So thank you so much. So before you go, Chris, is there anything you've got coming up that you'd like to talk about or point people towards? Or is there anything that you're doing that, that's, that's coming up? Potentially, we talked uh, recently about it. Uh, you know, we, we uh, uh, a lot of us uh, watched the uh, Ryan Murphy uh, Dahmer series on oh, yeah. Netflix, yeah. Mm. Yeah. and uh, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think that it uh, uh, it wasn't necessarily critically well received, but I thought it was extremely well done. And so, for me, it was like it spoke to the millennium creator in me. And uh, I actually talked to somebody about a millennium reboot, whether or not that will ever happen remains to be seen. Oh yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I might, have, I might have to restart my millennium podcast if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Chris, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your time. It's been such a pleasure to speak yeah. to you. Um, thank you. So thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, you have a, you have a fantastic day. Thanks. I'm glad it worked out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank Thanks you a lot. We appreciate you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Welcome back, guys. That was the conversation with Chris Carter, creator of The X-Files. I keep saying that because none of us can quite believe we've just spoken to Chris Carter who obviously we have been an enormous fan of for years and hopefully you enjoyed that conversation where he talked uh, he talked about a few old stories, he shared a few new things and um, yeah, just touched base with this little corner of the fandom. So guys, how do you feel having spoken to him? I don't, is this real? Are we here? This <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a real, it was a real thrill, wasn't it, to be fair? Yeah. Mm. Um, you never quite expect that, do you? Now, we've interviewed many people on the X-Cast before, haven't we? We've had people like Frank Spotnitz. We've had yeah. you know, Glenn Morgan. We've had some of the actors. But it's obviously very special, isn't it, to have the creator of the series itself on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, yeah. A, what a wonderful thing. There was there's a number of times when I went, while we were waiting, I thought the way that we did the, the actual um, production of it was really, really nice that we had that, you know, the little bit of time each together to talk to him. And you're just listening, going, I'm I'm here listening to him talk like I'm listening to a podcast, but he's actually talking to my friend Tony, and I'm going to talk to him in five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and then he starts talking about one thing. I'm like, oh, I need to maybe change my question a little bit. Okay, <laughs> uh, and then you then you get there, you, you're talking to him, and it becomes a bit surreal that you're just doing a normal interview, and then you pass it over to Sarah, and I'm like, Whew, and then go, yeah. oh my god. I've just moved to Chris Carter. <laughs> really right, strange. Really right before, strange. right before that, Carl or Kurt, you know, when you were wrapping it up, and I knew it was going to be my turn next, I literally was thinking, I really hope they cannot hear my heart thudding right now. <laughs> it's so loud. Like I was afraid the mic was going to like pick it up or something. And you know what is that adage? Never, never meet your heroes. But 
he was so generous and so um just thoughtful it was it yeah. was great yeah yeah it's a, it's a thrill in the sense that you know he he is up there i think with the genuinely seminal creative minds on television of that of the 20th century i say i'd say i think you could put him up there with people like gene roddenberry rod serling yeah. you know those kind of people who created something that was so crucial to a zeitgeist of the time such a world renowned series uh, and and product i mean he is he's such a important figure i think in the in the history of television or he will, and he will be and i think that legacy will carry on after he pa- after he passes away one day yeah. you know so to actually speak to him and and you know if he, that's aside from the fact it's our favorite show he's created our favorite show but as he said it was a team effort you know and that like you say sarah that's so generous that he will say that right to the end and of course he's right but every every kind of show gets associated with the creator doesn't it it is you know you, you but to to be able to have that humility to say you know what this was a massive team effort and there are so many brilliant creatives who made this with me i think yeah. it's fantastic you know he's yeah. he's totally in touch with that i mean what i find really interesting listening to him talk was just how much of the finger on the pulse he's got with television nowadays, like, like the blacklist that you mentioned, the David Fincher stuff, you know, mm-hmm. th- those sort of things that we don't really hear. And I've often thought, you know, what is he doing now? What what is what is he what is he doing from day to day, month to month? You know, how is ten thirteen productions put together and, and and the like? But to hear him say, I've had conversations with the children of the blacklist, told him this, and mm-hmm. you know, David Fincher, I've, I've spoke to him at times and. Just stuff like that is that that for me was a bit like okay I, I can I can I can sense get more of a worldwide view of what he's like mm. um, outside of outside of the X Files and uh, and how regarded he is by other showrunners. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt it was very interesting to hear him talk about you know being sought out by uh, David Fincher, for example. So I, I'd never heard him say that before. So I think it was interesting to hear things in this interview that we didn't expect him to say, wasn't it? Like for example. Also, the new novel in the works. It sounds like yeah. X Files novel, which um, that's an exclusive, surely. I mean, as, as is that as anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which Exciting. sounds like it's gonna. Did he say it would pick up from after My Struggle Four? So yeah, that's quite intriguing, isn't it? So yeah, yeah I know. I definitely feel like um, he was generous of his time. He was very thoughtful with the questions and the way he answered them. And I feel like I hadn't heard everything before. Do you know what I mean? I feel like mm. there were some unique things in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. definitive, definitive proof once and for all, Skinner is okay. <laughs> He's okay, guys. He's okay. It's fine. He's okay. He's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we get, when we do get to my struggle on the podcast proper, you know, we can confidently say, "He's fine. Don't He's worry fine. about it. He's fine." He made it. Um, he ma- <laughs> because he's Skinner. I told you. Can I just? Can I just say I told you? You so. did say. I'm so sorry, yeah. but I, I love just. That. I did laugh when you said, Tony, you owe me like a ten- tenner or something like that in the yeah. podcast. You owe me money. But I, I, in in terms of that, I, I think you, people might be listening to this and thinking, why didn't you ask him if the show's coming back? And I think it's a question he probably gets asked a lot, to be honest. And it's a question that I, I, I think we, we wanted to avoid necessarily too many granular questions about intricacies so if there were one or two questions that people might have patrons might have, have added that we didn't quite get to they were great questions but we didn't want to get too granular and we didn't want to 
you know, focus specifically on, oh, when's the next episode? When's the next thing? Because ultimately, if we're going to get Chris Carter, let's let's really tap that mind and that 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 expertise and let's not just ask him questions he probably doesn't know the answer to ultimately so if you're wondering why we didn't go down that road that's why and i hopefully we we got some more generalized interesting facts like you said carl from him yeah. really because i think once yeah. there is a new x-files show we'll know about it you know <laughs> if if that happens yeah i think that was definitely the right approach um it's striking to hear him say it's been 30 years and it feels like it's just flashed by but i think the reality is when you're asking him ultra specific questions about particular episodes and things yeah it's going to be hard for him to sort of dredge right up off the mm. top of his head isn't it so i think the approach we took was uh, a decent one yeah yeah i mean can you re- remember what you did 30 years ago carl i can't remember what i did yesterday it's funny i can remember exactly where i was when i first saw quagmire but I can't remember why I'm standing in my pantry when I go in there. Like, why? Yeah. It's, you know. Or staring out the window. Or just staring out yeah. the window at a hawk. Yeah, which is what Sarah was doing just as we were. It took a break to uh, record just now. We came back, the three of us came back on, and Sarah said, Oh, no, I've just been sitting here staring at a hawk out my window. Like, you do you, Sarah. But um, we, we love you for it. We love you. Yeah, we do. Um, but yeah, you mentioned thirty there, thirty years. That that was kind of why I opened that, that question because obviously this is a yeah. this is the first episode we're releasing of the X Cast in twenty twenty three. This is our eighth year of running, and the show's thirtieth year. So we're gonna we're we're gonna hopefully mark that in September with something. We've got some ideas about what we're gonna do for the thirty years. Chris talked about the X Files Museum and I know they're doing stuff for the thirtieth year year thing as well. There's um you know, th- there'll there'll be various things, you know, he he's not got tons of plans himself by the sound of it, but there are gonna be various things this year. I could, I think we can fully expect plenty of retrospective articles and pieces and things like that going on, you know. Um so I dare say there will be some stuff throughout the year. But we for the X cast, we're gonna do a bit of with that. But then the focus this year is going to be on season nine, isn't it, for us? as you mentioned earlier. And um, I suppose let's just... that That's already started to record now, hasn't it? Because we're kicking that off as you listen in just a couple of weeks. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, as we record now, we've done the first episode. Um, we're recording yeah. episodes two and three, I think, on Monday separately. I'm doing episode two. And uh, episode three is also being recorded. I think we're doing quite a few in, in a short space of time, aren't we, guys? Um, yeah, and now I'm doing the, I think, the 4D, which is episode four, isn't it? That's um, yeah. I'm yeah. recording that on Sunday of this week as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be four mm-hmm. or five episodes in before, um, you know, well before we start um, showing things on air, yeah. Yeah, Lord of the Flies has been recorded fairly soon, I think. Uh, yeah, Kurt, you know, week. I've preliminarily started talking about Trust No One, haven't we? So it's all yeah. coming together quite quickly. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting prospect, isn't it? Because season nine, I, I dare say it's not many people's favourite season, but I do think it's an underseen season. You know, I think there are a lot of people that haven't watched these episodes for a long time, maybe never have seen some of them. Uh, so I'm sure we'll find interesting things to drill into, as we always do. Definitely. I, I, I must point out, though, my net contribution to all of this is right now zero. <laughs> because when you guys said, Tony, what episodes of season nine do you want to do? I went, uh, Jump the Shark. That's it, really. So <laughs> I'll be on Jump the Shark. <laughs> but beyond that, you might not see a lot of me for season nine. But um, yeah, you guys are going to be great doing all of that. And as usual, great guests, great hosts. It's going to be really good, I think, this year. And we've also got something very special planned in the summer for Fight the Future's 
25th anniversary. Jesus Christ, 25 years since Fight the Future yeah, debuted. That, yeah, that is yeah. horrific, isn't it? Scary, isn't oh. it? I vividly yeah. remember sneaking in to watch it. I was under age. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on the bus. I've told, probably told this story on Fight the Future Minute. I remember being on the bus, going there with about five mates, trying to explain the mythology to them on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> trying to explain the black oil. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had to call a radio station. He was giving away premiere tickets for a midnight showing that was exclusive and i had to beg i was like i could not win i tried to win i have to be there you don't understand please let me have these tickets and he gave them to me so i, I just finished sixth form so I, I went about five or six times in the space of five or six yeah. days yeah. yeah yeah so we've got something very fun planned we're not going to tell everyone what it is yet but it's something that's been in the pipeline for a while and it's a little project that's going to have to be finished off soon. Uh, <laughs> we've got, we've got a lot of, a lot, I've got a lot of work to do on that. But well, I think a majority of it is done for Fight the Future. So yeah, stay tuned for that. That's coming in the summertime. Um, so lots of fun, lots of great XCast stuff for 2023. So uh, hopefully this has been a hell of a start to the year. So yeah, hope you enjoyed yeah. our chat with Chris Carter. Season nine, nothing important happened today. Coming very soon. So yeah, remember, obviously, you can find uh, the XCast at the X underscore cast on Twitter. Come and check us out mainly over there. Um, and you can find all of us at various different handles. So I'm AJ Black Writer. Carl? I'm at CKJ Sweeney. Sarah? Author Sarah Blair. Very fancy. Kurt? Ah, uh, Muldrake. <laughs> and you, you're on YouTube. You're a YouTube star now. Yeah, go you're on next, You're the next PewDiePie. I am. I, I, had, I had several thousand people watching one of my videos. It's great. Um, find me on Linktree. <laughs> <laughs> Link tree, I'm all Drake. That's the best place. Okay. I've got cool. everything on there. Cool. And uh, yeah, we will be back um, very soon for more XCAS. So until then, as always, trust no one. 100 years since Nosferatu first terrified audiences on the big screen. 30 years since Francis Ford Coppola gave us Bram Stoker's Dracula. And um, 10 years since Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp. Vampire Videos is a podcast taking a look at this iconic blood-sucking monster on film and television. I'm Dan Owen. And I'm Hugh McStay. And we're here to guide you through a century of vampirism on film. From Hollywood's golden age with Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula. To the more lurid hammer horrors of the 60s and 70s starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Through to the 80s boom in vampires which brought these creatures of the night into the modern age. And everything this century's had to offer us. From foreign and independent films, spoof comedies and even teenage love stories. Yes, I'm talking about Twilight. We aim to cover it all one bite at a time. So join us on a voyage into the depths of vampire cinema, old and new, with weekly guests offering their own insights and expertise. And why not follow us on Twitter, at Vamp Videos. A proud part of the We Made This Podcast Network, subscribe now to Vampire Videos, and thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. The Xcast and X-Files podcast was created by Tony Black and is produced and hosted by Carl Sweeney, Sarah Blair and Kurt North. You can find the podcast on Twitter at the X underscore cast, on Facebook by typing in the Xcast, and in our group, X-Files Basement, the Xcast podcast fan group, and on Instagram at the Xcast pod. Don't forget, you can support the show by becoming a member on Patreon. Our patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes chats with our hosts and a thriving community of X-Files, and other premium interviews and specials. To find out more and subscribe, you can go to patreon.com slash the Xcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Xcast. We are also part of the We Made This Podcast Network, full of popular culture shows, including our Millennium series, The Time Is Now. 
You can find all of our shows at our website, wemadethispod.com, or via Twitter at WeMadeThisPod. Thanks for listening, and keep watching the skies. Thanks.